He's Christian. He's Jimmer. That's correct. Welcome back to Two Physical Therapists and a Bag of Chips. Yummy chips from Bohemia. Today. Remember what Bohemia is? Bohemia. Well, aren't there like several kinds of Bohemia, really? There's a Rhapsody. There's also people that were Bohemians, kind of spread out across all the Yeah, they're almost cities. like gypsies. Yes, yes. Anyway, I digress. Welcome to Two Physical Therapists and a Bag of Chips. Today's topic, TOSS. Thoracic Outlet Syndrome. Toss. And we shall review the Bohemia Paprika chips. We shall. By way of Hungary, but of Czech origin. Origin. Hmm. Sure. <laughs> we'll get that later. Anyway, courtesy of... Susan German. Thank you, Susan. Thank you very much. Thoracic Outlet Syndrome. What is Thoracic Outlet Syndrome? What is Thoracic Outlet Syndrome? It's a syndrome of the thoracic outlet. That's exactly correct. Which means there is compression of blood vessels and or nerves, which results in pain, numbness in the neck, shoulders, and hands. Yeah. Anytime, and people who have listened to us for a while know that anytime a diagnosis ends in syndrome, it means it's a bunch of different types of complaints that we don't really have an accurate, proper diagnosis for. So we lump them all together. We call it thoracic outlet syndrome. That's correct. So, so I think we see the diagnosis a lot more than we actually see the proper diagnosis, wouldn't you say? Yeah, somebody comes in with it or self-diagnoses it, but it's... A lot of times it's something else. Yeah. Like actual pure thoracic outlet syndrome, pretty rare. It is quite rare. It is uh, typically compression of the brachial plexus, which is a, a bundle of nerves up around the neck, armpit area, shoulder, back of shoulder, collarbone-ish, first rib-ish. Or there's also what's known as vascular compression, and this is when the blood flow is restricted, and this can be either in the subclavian artery or the subclavian vein. Yes, with a different set of symptoms, hence therefore with brachial plexus, kind of like the uh, sciatica. Yeah. Of the, the sciatic group upper quadrant. Of the upper, yeah, the limbs, the, the arms. The arms? It's probably the most. Arms. Arms. Uh, signs and symptoms. Typically with the neural compression, you'll get numbness in the hands and arms. You'll have pain in the neck, shoulder, hands, arms. There's usually a weak gripping associated with this or just a, a reduced grip strength from one side to the other. And then in more significant cases, you'll start to see muscle wasting, which is most prominent uh, at the thumb, specifically the, the base of the thumb or the thenar eminence. Oh, I like that. Yes. Yeah. A lot of times, symptoms initially start with use, right? Especially overhead. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of numbness, lots of tingling, arms falling asleep, arms feeling dead kind of symptoms. Um, when they're hanging down by your side, they're okay. Um, also happens at night. It does. People wake up with it. So you have two types. They have compressors and releasers. Uh, Typically, a compressor is someone who gets symptoms with compression, and a releaser is someone who gets symptoms with when the compression is removed. So people who lie down and get symptoms are considered releasers. Makes total sense. Yeah. I'd never heard of that. Uh, You also have the vascular symptoms, which can be slightly different. Usually there's more swelling in the arms and hands. There's usually also discoloration. Uh, particularly in the hands and fingers, uh, a weak pulse, cold hands and arms, 
uh, weakness again is, is prevalent, and then you can often find throbbing near the collarbone. The old collarbone throb. Yeah. Not to be confused with a heart throb. Yeah. Oh, nice. I see what you did there. I see what you did there. Yes, so the subclavian artery and nerve and vein are named for being underneath the clavicle and thus the throbbing near the, the collarbone, which is the clavicle. Yes. So you'll get some compression there. In some cases, you'll hear of uh, blood clots related to this causing these symptoms. Those are uh, quite rare. Yeah, not very common, but that does happen. And uh, that could be a whole different podcast, right? But what causes blood clots? Because, you know, any kind of change in circulation mm -hmm. is, a, is a risk factor for blood clots. So that would make sense if you have yeah. compression somewhere. Yeah. Uh, causes for thoracic outlet trauma is the most symptomatic, probably. That's the most immediate. Yeah. Clavicle fractures, rib fractures. Yeah. Post-surgically, you'll see it sometimes. Um, postural stuff, so work positioning things, um, some anatomical changes. Some individuals have less space in that thoracic outlet area or the, the old the, cervical rib. The first rib, cervical rib thing going on. Uh, repetitive motions is a big one. So anyone who, who participates in a certain sport that's very repetitive or a certain work activity or anything repetitive. Yeah, repetitive overhead, right? Like, yeah. like replacing lots of light bulbs or doing um, drywall hanging above your head, mm -hmm. things like that. Yep, those are, those are common. Backpacks or, or similar like external pressure, so people who have a lot of load on top of their shoulder can also experience these symptoms and then it's also much more likely during pregnancy hmm huh. yeah. ligamentous laxity perhaps I think pregnancy just does so many interesting things that this can probably exacerbate symptoms and pregnancy yeah. can exacerbate that's, that's fascinating yeah one one um, that we that, that we used to see quite a bit was uh, considered hypertrophy or hypertonicity of the cervical muscles, especially anterior cervical muscles, um, in which case they would sometimes do a, a muscle release, which turned out to be useless. So there clearly was a different reason why the muscle was hypertoned or hypertrophic, Yeah, and not necessarily a contributor, but maybe a reaction to the symptoms. Is that commonly the scalene muscles? Scalenes, yep. Yeah. Um, or in, in, in really rare cases, platysma. But scalene, sternocleidomastoid was another. Oh, God. Okay. Sure. Yep. Uh, females are more likely for this. Uh, about 70% of cases are, are with females. And then age range is between 20 and 40 or 20 and 50. So generally in that young to middle-aged, I guess, range, they would call that. Yep. Uh, in some cases, surgery will happen. Uh, again, something along the lines of what Jim has already mentioned, either a, a first rib resection or, uh, you know, the muscular release thing. I mean, they're not, I don't, I haven't seen one of those. So hopefully they're not doing that anymore. But No, as actually the, the one that I just saw not too long ago, like three, four months ago, had a first rib resection and a partial uh, muscle detachment. Hmm. Um, it was a very interesting case. It was a, an auxiliary approach, which I've never heard of before. So they go in through the armpit in between second and third rib and then peel away part of the first rib and 
um, did a partial muscle release. Um, tricky, tricky recovery. Super, super invasive surgery. Lots of opportunities for complications. Eventually, the, the, this particular patient um, started progressing really well, but it was a very, very long road. It was not, not an easy process. So it's pretty rare, though, that this requires um, surgical intervention. I would, I would say maybe maybe ten percent of the cases. Yeah, nowadays, I mean, physical therapy is is very helpful. Uh, a lot of it can be related to, to strength in certain areas and, and taking some tension off of certain muscle groups by strengthening other ones. Uh, even things just as simply as you know being aware of your posture or, or changing the way you do a repetitive activity can make dramatic improvements on these. Yeah, posture mechanics are huge. Yeah. The other one that I want to um, bring up real quick is, and this is a, a couple of cases that I have noticed um, over the years, actually not a couple, more than a couple, um, but um, ladies who are um, who could benefit from breast reduction. So that, that indirectly, it would be a postural thing, but directly could be also contributing to compression and symptoms in that area. Something to consider. Yeah. Generally, we don't see it very much. It's pretty rare, thankfully. But when it yeah, does we, happen, it is, it's pretty uncomfortable and, and it takes a long time to, to recover from because you're trying to break habits, and that's tricky. Yeah, I think what we see a lot is we see these symptoms a lot, you know, numbness, tingling, loss of strength, um, pain. But a lot of times they're, they're contributed by cervical problems, so problems coming from your neck or posture. It's not pure TOS, right? Even though we may see a lot of TOS symptoms, I don't think we see a lot of specifically TOS diagnosed patients. Yeah, and even if they have that diagnosis, a lot of the times treating them for, for cervical dysfunction results in immediate improvement of symptoms. So Yeah, if you want to get the pure diagnosis, you know, it involves quite a bit more diagnostics, like doing ultrasounds of blood flow in the area, mm-hmm. uh, doing EMGs, things like that. And all the special tests, physical therapy-wise, are related to, to pulse and loss of pulse. So The ruse, one of my favorite tests. Yeah. And so that's where you kind of bring your arms up and open and close your hands as fast as you can. And if, if someone loses or one hand goes slower than the other, you, sus- you suspect thoracic outlet syndrome at that point. Um, those are vascular versions and not neuroversions traditionally, but that... I don't know. I don't know the numbers on that, so I'm just saying yeah, that. Just either. saying that. Just making stuff up. No, yeah, no, I'm liking it. It's not good. Do we do trivia? Yeah, I think it's trivia time probably. Last week's trivia, bad question. <laughs> sort of. Somebody, somebody got corrected, I think. I did. I did. So the question was, what is the only agricultural product grown in Hawaii and no other U.S. states? State. 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 Should be state. Uh, we got many answers of coffee, which was... More or less the correct answer. Up until recently, <laughs> California produced 250 pounds of coffee beans. Yeah, which isn't which isn't a huge number, but it, but it, yet. but it certainly does screw up the answer here a little bit. Um, <laughs> Pineapple was the other question that a lot of people. So a lot of people. Macadamia nuts was good as well. Yep. But uh, those are grown elsewhere. Yeah. So recently there was a an NPR story that that talked about California coffee growing. The maturity of most of the coffee plants is not producing a bean yet. So it takes, I think, somewhere in the neighborhood of five years for a coffee bush to begin to produce beans. Because they're actually berries. They're not beans. Or berries, sorry. Yeah. So the bean and the whatever, the berries. This is seed in the berry. Yep. 
It's so, your coffee fact straight. I got, I, my terminology is all wrong here. So there is upwards of 30 avocado farms that are now growing the coffee bush underneath their avocado tree. So it turns out that coffee and avocado share similar growing environments. And then the avocado tree somehow helps the, the coffee grow. Who knew? It's Most of these, these again, are not yet mature, and so they are not yet producing the, the fruit. But California, as of 2018, is producing 250 pounds of beans a year. There you have it. So, so our can, apologies yes. for a confusing trivia terrible, question. Terrible, terrible trivia question. <laughs> uh, you can buy this coffee for, I think it's uh, like $400 a pound ground. So, Ooh. so it's quite expensive. Not quite as expensive as the Servette. Can. No, not quite, but but it's Proof up there. Coffee. They sold out in uh, something like three days or something like that. Yeah. This week's question, which which is has been authenticated several times over, <laughs> is which bone are babies born without? Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. So, so they pick it up somewhere along the way. Yeah, usually when they start crawling. Usually. That should be a giveaway. And walking helps. Yes. But yes. So which bone are babies born without? Chip tab? Oh, I've been waiting for this. Bohemia Rhapsody Paprika. Yes. These are hand-carried all the way from Hungary. They are a Czech chip. From Hungary. So uh, chip to air ratio, 40% pretty well. Okay. But for hand-carry, the, the chips came out really well. So yeah. thank you very much, Susan. We really, really appreciate it. And uh, for those of you who have not been to Europe... Paprika takes the uh, place of barbecue flavor. So Essentially, yeah. Your basic flavors in, in Europe, salt and paprika instead of barbecue. You ready? Let's do it. Yeah. Brings back childhood memories. Not not the crunchiest chip here by Bohemia. No. It's very thin. <clears throat> it's not, not thick. It's not a kettle-style chip is probably why. It's quite salty, though. Um, not an overpowering... Paprika flavor, but it's there. Yeah. Exciting chip. Mo. Yummy. Sure. Yeah. I think this is the one thumb. Wow. I'm boring. I'm, like, I'm going to be with Christian. You just don't want one thumb. thumb. Yeah. I don't mind eating them, but. No. It's kind of hard, though, for any chip to take the place of the furikake chip that we had last week. You're going to have to do some. Serious little you know, that, that kind of drops everybody down a notch, I think. That was a good chip. Very good chip. Excellent. All right, guys. Thank you for listening today. Next week, we will be doing total shoulder replacement. That will also be uh, kind of the Thanksgiving week episode, I suppose. Ooh, happy Thanksgiving. As a result, we decided not to do a Thanksgiving theme potato chip because we did one last year, and we really didn't want to do Pringles one this year. <laughs> So. No. So if you want to do your Thanksgiving chip um, at home and let us know how that went, by great. all means, we're, we're, uh, we'd love to hear from you. We would. Um, we're not doing it. We are going to do the Wild Brand Chicken Chips instead. Sounds yummy. I believe it's a, a chicken waffle type thing. I don't know. We'll get to that next week. Is, if, it, is it potato or is it actual chicken? No, it's actual chicken. Whoa. It's a grain-free chicken. I think there's tapioca or something in it. Yeah, sounds good. Looking forward to that. Uh, if you like today's show, please tell your friends, follow, review, subscribe. If you want more information about thoracic outlet syndrome, follow us on Instagram and Twitter throughout the week. 
Looking for more information on rebound therapy? Check out our website, reboundclinic.com. He's Jimmer. I'm Christian. Thanks for listening.